Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunes, and today we got Bryant West back on the show. What's going on, Bryant? How are you feeling after preseason game one? I'm doing great, Brendan. It's so good to have basketball back in Sacramento, uh, the capital of California, which nobody in their right mind would ever think is part of the Bay Area. Did you really <laughs> think I was just going to let you uh, just let that sleeping dog lie? I forgot that that was still waiting. <laughs> we haven't had an actual episode since then. Yeah. Well, I know you and Adam, uh, we're having a super chill, relaxed podcast. And if anybody wants a more general NBA podcast, I truly recommend that one because uh, you and Adam are both great. But I'm not going to blame you too hard for the mistake, but the confidence that you just had coming into that take, like you were opening the clouds and bestowing a truth from the heavens down on the citizens of Sacramento. No one from Sacramento has ever thought or wants to claim that they were part of the Bay Area. The only time I've ever heard that is when somebody from the Bay Area decides to educate me on that fact. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. And I saw it one time. I didn't just pull this out of nowhere. Like I saw it one time on a Reddit thread months ago. So that might yeah. as well be pulling it out of nowhere. But like it's no, no, no. some like thing that I sat here and was like, no, this this isn't no. how this they, works. You like, are not the first person I've heard that from. You, I guarantee you, wherever you saw it on Reddit, that person is from the Bay Area. I mean, I, I went to college in the Bay Area, and uh, I wore my Sacramento Kings pride on probably half of the outfits I wore in college. And the number of times that people who grew up in Sacramento or Oakland, I mean, uh, San Francisco or Oakland had to be like, hey, you know, Sacramento is not in the Bay Area. Yeah, I didn't know that was a thing. So <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't let this podcast go on without correcting the record, but uh, yeah, it was a fun basketball game last night. It was, it was. Um, yeah. Let's just start with your reaction when the starting five got tweeted out. It was Fox, Halliburton, Harrison Barnes, Marvin Bagley, and Rashawn Holmes. What's your initial reactions to that? Well, you know, I, I, that's probably, my favorite lineup in terms of just all right this is a this is a lineup this exists um as you're constructing a roster like having uh two rebounders uh is going to be a way that Luke Walton can go with this um considering that the rest of his lineups pretty much revolve around three guards um i kind of expect and almost hope that by the end of preseason, he's just gone to his best lineup, which involves swapping in Buddy Heald for Marvin Bagley. Um, but given that uh, this is still the preseason, I liked hearing from him that he was going to try out a whole bunch of different lineups. And I thought you had a really prescient point in your uh, article on the Kings Herald today that you know, as long as Luke Walton limits the lineups that have both Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley in at the same time, uh, that's definitely going to take a good step forward in making this team a better defensive squad. <laughs> totally. And I think that we can just start with talking about the lineups like you're getting into a little bit here. Um, notable, like it's it's preseason, whatever. CP3 didn't CP3 didn't play, Booker didn't play, Crowder didn't play, Sarge didn't play for the Suns, and Sacramento had everybody out there. 
Um, I didn't really care about the score of this game, to be honest. Like, oh, it's yeah. just it's whatever. Um, so, yeah, I was just checking, is anything different here, pretty much? And we got told specifically by Luke Walton to not read into the rotations. We're like, what else? Of course we're going to read into the rotations. Like, what do you expect? Yeah. I don't know what else I'm supposed to do here. Like, forgive me, but, like, that's it's fun. Like, I don't know what to tell you. And there's definitely something to it. Like, even if the idea that, like, oh, we're willing to try this is something, you know, and I think the idea that they're willing to entertain Halliburton possibly in the starting lineup. And I think that he's deserving of that spot. I think you would agree with me over Buddy. Yep. And so I think that just the willingness to possibly throw that out there as a potential starting uh, lineup is encouraging. And then the first sub was Davion and Buddy for Halliburton and Bagley. So all of a sudden your lineup is Fox, Davion, Buddy, Barnes, and Holmes. And Barnes pretty much played like almost all night at the four. He played, he started at the three. He had a couple stretches at the three here and there, but for the most part, he was a four and he's the only like traditional three on the roster. So when he's not out there at the three, you're just getting three guard lineups. And that's what we saw a crazy amount of. And it, we did get one stretch of the three guard lineup that everybody thinks of when we say three guard lineup, Fox Mitchell and Halliburton. But for the most part, it was there was always one of Fox or Halliburton on the floor outside of one small stretch where that wasn't the case. And I thought it was a pretty rough lineup. But I think you always need at least one of those guys playmaking out there. Uh, Mitchell's not a good enough playmaker for others, I think, at this point in his career. Maybe that's something that he can develop with more time. And obviously, Heald and Terrence Davis are the same way. Mm-hmm. So it was always one of Fox or Halliburton out there, again, outside of one outlier situation. And then a combination of Mitchell, Heald, or Terrence Davis. And those small lineups, I think, moved up and down the court really well um, offensively. Like, they're going to be pretty diverse and versatile on that end. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a lot of speed, a lot of ability to penetrate a lot of shooting so yeah i mean i think a lot of these three guard lineups are just what we're going to see for a majority of the minutes this season in sacramento yeah I, I liked seeing that luke walton already was figuring out that um staggering fox and halliburton was going to be his best way to keep the offense going at all time but uh you know another point you wrote about in your article just it's going to be a joy to watch um since Luke Walton took over this team, you know, pace hasn't always been his top priority, but like he can't ignore that with this roster anymore. Um, when five of your best you know, 10 players are uh, Fox, Halliburton, Mitchell, Heald, and uh, Terrence Davis, like you, you have to play fast, especially if you're going to do a three guard lineup. So it was fun to see last night. Um, and as uh, I talked about in the roundtable discussion, um, I truly think that even as you and I both were people who really wanted to see the Kings improve their wing and forward depth. um, And as you talked about, like Harrison Barnes and Mo Harkless are pretty much the only true small forwards on this roster. I am going to enjoy the fact that the Kings guards as constructed have the talent and offensive versatility to pretty much keep up with any guard lineup they could go up against. So it's good to see that early on. And, um, you know, one other point 
the most everybody just talks about, you know, in preseason wins and losses don't matter. All you want to see is execution, and that's absolutely the case. And I enjoyed seeing the Kings uh, execute to some success last night. Shot forty seven percent from the field, but I think this game kind of showed the opposite ends of the spectrum. Like Phoenix is incredibly, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Stable. Uh, they they maintained almost the entirety of their roster from last year, including all their starters. I know that Chris Paul and Devin Booker and Jay Crowder didn't play, but this is still a team that has been together for, a, you know, over a year now. Um, and, and Monty Williams pretty much knows the lineups that he's going to go with. Meanwhile, Luke Walton on the other end, he, he really has to use this preseason to, try out a bunch of lineups and you know it was pretty obvious when he said don't don't read into any lineups i try i'm glad that he's going to be trying a whole bunch of things because he's kind of got a bunch of decisions to figure out um but you know that it's just the opposite ends of the spectrum right here how the suns were using preseason lineups just to get ready to go uh, meanwhile luke walton played 16 guys last night it kind of says something yeah, and I think from Phoenix's point of view, like Cameron Payne initiating your offense every possession really sucks. <laughs> like, really, it was really bad for Cameron Payne last night. I think he had 11 or so shots before he, maybe 10, 9 or something like that before one finally went down. He ended up 3 of 13, uh, 1 of 8 from 3. He played 30 minutes. Um, I wish there was. I wish there was a way to see how many of those shots were with uh, Davion Mitchell guarding him. Yeah, and Mitchell gave him a hard time, and same with Alfred Payton, but I would hope that Davion Mitchell's giving those guys a hard time when we're talking about him as this uh, defensive-focused guy. And before we move on to some guys' individual performances, and I definitely want to talk about Davion, the other notable lineup thing for me was that Thompson like seemed like the backup center over Len, and that could change. Totally could. It's just preseason game one. Again, that's going to be like the asterisk throughout this entire episode, obviously, mm-hmm. but Thompson was like clearly the center that was preferred after Holmes compared to Len last night. And it's interesting. I mean, I think that you're able to keep a little bit more of the same defense of being more switchable with Mm -hmm. like Holmes and Thompson are more similar in that regard. And Len is more of like needs to be in a drop and stay near the paint sort of thing. Yeah. So maybe there's something to that. And I guess Len ended up playing one more minute than Thompson, but Thompson was definitely the guy coming off the bench before Len. And I, I just think that's interesting to see if that'll stay. Um, The rim protection was notably improved. And I think that's going <laughs> to be a theme throughout this year that I cannot wait for um, from both of those guys and, and Holmes included. But yeah, it seems like Thompson might be favored over Len at the moment. Yeah. I, I'm not going to read too much into it uh, aside from the fact of, Boy, it's so much better to watch those two dudes be the backup bigs than uh, us on Whiteside. Um, but at the same time, I agree with you. I I, I kind of wonder if it's going to just be a matchup decision, which backup center goes in at least goes in first. Um, and I'm going to be interested to see. One thing I'm going to look for from Alex Len over preseason is is how does he bring his offense? Is he ever going to shoot from deep? Because that's the one thing that I think you can clearly make the case for Len over Thompson is that Len has a greater history of deep shooting. Um, so, but 
regardless, it's a much better situation than the Kings had last year off the bench. Definitely. And I think when it comes to the changes in how I saw the team ran, like the offense looked pretty much the same to me, which understandable. The offense was fine last year. Um, just kind of like a freelance, a lot of uh, screens and, and um, one guy sitting in the weak side corner while the other side of the court is pretty packed. And yeah, like I said, the offense was fine last year. I don't think anything quite needed to change there on defense. And I have to go back and watch a little bit more of last year to refresh my memory. Um, there was still <laughs> moments of switching. Like uh, there was definitely Rashawn Holmes guarding Cameron Payne or whatever. And you saw the same thing happen to Tristan Thompson a couple times where it was like the typical thing that would piss me off last year where I'm like, this is such a lazy switch. Like you don't have to switch there. Like I get your scheme is switching, but you don't have yeah. to switch there. I'm sorry. I was chuckling. I, I, did you honestly just say you're going to go back and watch the Sacramento Kings defense from last year? That's a thing you're going to spend your time on. Maybe a tiny bit. <laughs> now that you say just, that, you're really discouraging me from doing yeah, that. <laughs> that just sounds like a lot of misery. I tried to do that at one point in the off season to like really understand it better. And I got through like half a game. I'm like, man, this sucks. <laughs> but the one thing that did seem a little different, um, and this is what I was saying, I might have to go back and see if it actually is, is that it seemed like they were, you could hear them yelling to ice the side pick mm -hmm. and rolls. Um, and for anybody not familiar, icing is just, if you're on the wing of the three point line and you're the only two players the screener and the ball handler are the only two guys there. All the other guys are on the opposite side. It's an empty pick and roll. Then the ball handler, when the the guy defending the ball handler tries to stop the player from going past the screen and towards the middle of the floor and is corralling them pretty much towards the baseline and not allowing the ball handler to go middle. And pretty early in the game, I heard that getting yelled out, and but it wasn't happening. And I think I got like frustrated a little bit early on because I was and at one point I'm like, are they trying to like fake out Phoenix or something? Like what, why are they calling this and not doing it? And then later in the game, it was happening a little bit more. Like I think Mitchell did a really good job of, because you, you have to prep beforehand a little bit for that. It's less reactionary and more um, predictive. And like I said, like kind of corralling. So maybe that's something they do a little bit different this year. And there were uh, some like growing moments in that, but might be something they do a little bit different on the defensive end, and we'll see how that ends up affecting them moving forward throughout this season. But, yeah, I mean, aside from that, it felt like a lot of the same stuff. There was their 1-2-2, like full-court press that happens after made free throws. There was some man-to-man um, -man full-court press, which is a little different and encouraging, and I, I thought looked okay. But, yeah, when it comes to, like, schemes and things like that, I, I didn't think all too much – was really different. Like like you talked about, I think maybe a little bit of an increased pace, which just has to do with like optimizing a three-guard lineup. It's just going to naturally happen. Um, but yeah, is there a player specifically that stands out to you that you want to start with, like how they perform? Well, there's one more stat thing I want to point out. Uh, Kings shot 47 threes last night, which is pretty dang high. Um, I know that's going to be a number that increases massively as more three guard lineups happen, just, you know, because that's what's going to happen. Um, in terms of player, I mean, Tyrese Halliburton was great last night. No question. Um, 
really quick on those threes. I, I tweeted that out this morning. They averaged 33 per game last year. Their single mm-hmm. game high was 45 attempts, and they shot 47 last night in the preseason yeah. opener. And Jason Anderson responded to me, and he's like, remember, they did shoot 53s in their preseason opener last year. So, ah, that's a good point by Jason. Yeah, it was good context by Jason, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Tyrese Halliburton was great last night. Um, his his playmaking was as great as ever. Um, I was so stunned when he hit a buzzer-beating three. Just absolutely floored. He's never hit a clutch shot in his life. <laughs> um, and uh, it was great to see him get the starting job. I, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier. Uh, I very much would rather see him start and Buddy he'll be the number one scorer off the bench. Um, I know that's probably not Buddy's preference, but Tyrese just makes everything better on both ends of the court. Um, and uh, yeah, it was great to see last night. Get right back into it. Definitely. I think his he had a couple passes. He, he had a couple no-look passes mm-hmm. where I think he was just kind of feeling himself out there. He had one like no look pass from beyond half court to right under the rim uh, that Bagley like finished reverse with his right hand. Yeah. That was something. Heck yeah. And then at the end of the game or the end of the third, he had a transition play where he just like totally manipulated the last defender because buddy was in the corner and Thompson was running with him and he looked at buddy in the corner, pretty much looked off the defender and Thompson got an easy dunk. Yeah. Halliburton was, was phenomenal. Um, Really quick, actually, to go back for a second. You mentioned like them being staggered, Halliburton and Fox. And I think that makes sense. Like I said, I think you do need to have like one of them on the floor pretty much at all times. But you only do because you don't have another ball handler like on this roster or another initiator, which I think is like a critique I've had of the roster and the whole, I was going to say the DeLon right thing, but DeLon doesn't quite fall under an initiator himself either but you know we've also been pretty vocal about fox and halliburton needing to play together a lot yeah so is that something that could potentially concern you because i get the need to stagger them but really those guys need to get comfortable playing alongside each other also well as long as those two are getting like a real uh bunch of minutes to begin the game and to end the game um like there's no way that in playing both of them they they're both going to get 30 plus minutes in a regular season should be much higher than that, but we'll see a, a bunch of that's going to be together. There's no question, but at the same time, I'm not sure how much of I'm going to believe in this offense. If when one of those two dudes is on the bench, like not to take anything away from Davion Mitchell, I thought he looked great last night. He had some good passes. Um, Buddy healed had some good passes as well. So it's good to see like the entire guard lineup just taking it upon themselves to just keep distributing the ball. But at the same time, this team is most dangerous when De'Aaron Fox or Tyrese Halliburton is the primary dude running the ball. So while I agree with you, they need to have a ton of minutes together this year. Like the Kings most used lineup absolutely needs to have these two together. I'm also happy to see Luke Walton staggering them more because the alternative when they're both on the bench, I'm just less of a fan of. (laughs) 
Yeah, and another guy that I want to talk about a little bit today is uh, obviously I think the highlight going in, Davion Mitchell. And, you know, when I was there live, I wasn't that impressed in the first half. I thought that he just looked nervous. Like, he, he looked shaky, which I think is understandable. And he said after the game that he was a little nervous. You know, like, I think of Halliburton's first game. I think mm-hmm. it was his first regular season game, but he just didn't look like himself at all. Like, he was picking up his dribble way too quick and definitely overthinking things out there. And I think it could have been a similar sort of thing with Davion at first. But when I watched it back today, it was like, oh, my God, his defense was actually really solid in the first half also. And, of course, that's what you expect from Davion, you know, like, on-ball pressure, and I, I think bothering the likes of, again, Alfred Payton and Cameron Payne are something that you would really hope from Davion. I really wish we would have seen him have some challenge to step up against with like CP3 and Booker. I think that would have been really fun and, and insightful to be able to see that. But Davion did exactly what you expect him to do on the defensive end. You know, like I said, bothering ball handlers. He had some off-ball rotations that were that were really impressive there was a play that Halliburton dribbled it off his foot and it looked like it was going to be an easy two points for Cameron Johnson and Davion ran all the way back and made him think about it for a second. And Cameron Johnson ends up uh, dribbling it off his foot off out of bounds and, and it did end up staying Phoenix ball, but it's just hustle plays like that. He had one uh, steal that he made on, on a rotation that was about to go out of bounds after he tipped it and he practically dived into the sun's bench and kept it in play led to a transition opportunity for the Kings. There were two different moments where he was pressuring the ball and the ball handler ended up stepping out of bounds. So, I mean, it was exactly what you expected from Davian on the defensive end. Absolutely. It, that was pretty much a textbook Davion Mitchell experience right there. Um, I'm, I'm not one who's going to be counting on his uh, offensive game to a massive extent this year. Um, I think the Kings have enough offensive firepower that, you know, if he takes a little bit of time to adjust to NBA offense, uh, I think they'll be fine. It was good to see him do that uh, um, uh, off the dribble three-pointer last night. That looked really sweet. Uh, But like you talked about, we all know why Davion Mitchell went nine. We all know why he got the most minutes of anybody off the bench last night. Uh, Luke Walton's bringing him in as uh, the guy who just bring who makes everybody better with his defense, gets stuff going, and plays with uh, his heart on his sleeve every possession. And it was fun to hear the Golden One Center crowd uh, just really reacting to him from the moment he went in there because you know we didn't get to celebrate uh, Tyrese Halliburton last year, and we're going to celebrate Davion Mitchell this year. So. Just two more really fun guys who this fan base and, and that arena is just going to absolutely love cheering for. Totally. And I feel weird saying this, and I've been super vocal about the Sacramento fan base being ridiculous, but like I was really disappointed with the turnout yesterday. And it might be complicated with, with COVID things. Yeah. But it was like 40% of the stadium at most. So it was just a little weird for a Sacramento game. But. Yeah, I, I'm really going to wonder how attendance looks this year. I mean, I, I, I'm proud of the Kings and any squad that, you know, has uh, vaccine mandates for anybody coming in. Good for them. Uh, but at the same time, like, I'm going to understand people not wanting to go out until uh, COVID's much more of a distant memory. So, totally. 
totally. And just to circle back uh, Davion's offense before we move on from that, I thought he looked really comfortable in the pick and roll when he was able to take a couple of dribbles and you know, work through a screen, maybe get his defender on his hip sort of thing. Like That seemed like a comfort zone for him. And shooting off the dribble during those, he, he was definitely confident. And again, I thought that's where he looked comfortable. But when it was somebody else initiating the offense and it gets swung to him and you know he has to maybe it's two or three dribbles in a quick decision. I thought that it was a little rough and that's just something mm-hmm. that he's just going to take some time getting used to, you know, not being the feature yeah. guy on offense or one of the feature guys. Um, and yeah, that's just going to come with time preseason game one. Absolutely. I mean, any pretty much any ball handler you draft is going to have to get used to that in the NBA, especially when you're playing big minutes alongside De'Aaron Fox and Tyrese Halliburton. He's going to have to learn to be, uh, as much off ball as on ball. So I, I agree with you. It's just something for him to work on. Yeah. Um, but he healed really quick. There's not too much. I've heard some people saying they felt like he was kind of chucking, throwing up some bad shots. I mean, four or 13 <laughs> from three is a lot. And I do think there was one or two where it's like, ah, I don't know if that's a good shot, but like, I kind of think that's just buddy, right? Like he yeah. ma- takes and makes crazy shots. Like, Especially off the bench. What do you think Buddy Hield's going to do when you bring him off the bench? This this is who he's going to be. And honestly, like the rest of the bench unit, let's just assume for the sake of argument that the starting lineup that Walton went with yesterday is the starting lineup moving forward. Buddy Hield needs to be that dude off the bench. Like Davion Mitchell is going to be defense first. And like we talked about, his offense is going to come. Um, Shemezi Metu's wants to score uh and sometimes he'll be able to but it's not, he's not going to be uh, a big time bench score uh mo harkless bench lineup yeah who knows um mo harkless defense first tristan thompson and alex len we know who they are aside from terrence davis buddy Hield is the scorer off this bench until jamias ramsey comes in and and suddenly we're talking about the sixth guard on the roster. Like this is going to be Buddy Hill's role. I I, I honestly am not going to care how many three pointers he takes. The 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 rest of the offense, especially as he plays in more bench heavy units, is going to need that. Totally. Um, I also thought his playmaking was impressive for moments throughout this game, and it's not like mm-hmm. he's initiating the offense or anything but he had one lefty sort of like hook pass that I think ended up going to Bagley. Um, he had one overhead pass that was um, kind of skipped across the top of the defense to weak side. It was like, you know, a lot of people I felt like talked about Buddy improving as a passer last year, but I didn't feel like it was different reads. It was just more willingness to make like the basic read he'd already made before. And there was one or two times where I was like, I don't know. I feel like that might be a little new, but Still hard to tell. Um, ended with four assists on the night and one turnover. But yeah, I mean, moving the ball with uh, off the bounce with just his left hand, and yeah, maybe maybe a little bit of progress there, which would be really big for Buddy. So I th- I thought his on ball defense was pretty good too. Um, I know that Buddy Hilt's problem has, on defense has always been his off ball tendencies, but uh, I I he stole the ball from uh, stripped it right out of Mikael Bridges' hands and uh, got a three pointer on the ensuing possession so always good to see buddy locked in on defense that early i hope you know every bridges jersey i saw which might have only been one i, I was like is that bryant 
<laughs> I would have told you if I was coming. And I don't even know if, if I would wear a Mikael Bridges jersey to a Kingston game. Yeah, I don't know if you'd be allowed to. You'd get a I lot mean, of shit for that. I mean, I have a Mikael Bridges Suns jersey. Let's just make <laughs> that incredibly clear. But I would not wear that to Golden One The other guy... Um, oh, or shout out Barnes real quick because Barnes oh, yeah. looked like he didn't miss a beat. Like you could have told me Barnes had been playing basketball for a couple months and I would believe it. Like just came out, the, I think the first shot of the game for the Kings, he had like a step back that was pretty impressive and nice balance, a step back three off the dribble. Plays 23 minutes, 18 points, seven to 12 from the field, four and nine from three. A little bit of everything like you expect from him, right? Four rebounds, three assists, throw a steal in there for good measure. Um, Barnes looks Barnes looks ready to go, and as yeah. one of like the older guys on the team, I don't know. You think maybe there's going to be a little bit of time he needs to adjust to the season? Nope, ready. Yeah, thank goodness for Harrison Barnes. Um, it, it, I know that uh, you and I spent a lot of last year talking about, well, are they going to trade him, or is are they going to do a little bit of a harder rebuild? But now that they're all gung ho for the playoffs, like I'm really glad he's here because this team would just absolutely fall apart without his versatility, without his leadership, without his ability to play the three four on offense. Uh, great to see him ready to go from day one. They really needed that. They need his consistency. So, all praise to Harrison Barnes. Yeah, last three regular seasons, he's led the team in minutes per game. And the, the third year ago was only half of the year because that's the season he did get traded to Sacramento. But I wouldn't be surprised the same thing again. Yeah, I, I, I would kind of be surprised if he's not just from yeah. uh, positional scarcity. Yeah. Um, do you have another guy before I move on to Bagley? Eh, no, I was about to say Bagley. Um, I mean, I, Terrence Davis was Terrence Davis. I thought his offense was great last night. Um, his, he. One of his steals was really pretty too. Um, oh, yeah. it, it's it's going to be really, really interesting to see how Luke Walton ends up juggling this lineup because just as a player, Terrence Davis is going to deserve playing time. But this Kings team, as constructed, is it, one of these guards is going to be left out in the cold. Um, so that'll be interesting I, to see. He seems like the obvious fifth, right between Fox Halliburton. Mitchell yeah. healed in Davis. Like, like I, I like Terrence Davis's two way game. Um, but I agree with you. It, it just from a basketball standpoint, like he's probably aside from buddy healed. Is he their best bench player? Um, yeah. Oh, get so. Davion Mitchell. I mean, Davion. Oh Mitchell. yeah. Davion. Well, okay. Aside from buddy healed and Davion Mitchell, like those are just two guards. It, it it just it just speaks to once again yeah. this complex roster construction the Kings find themselves in. But at the same time, like we talked about earlier, Kings guard rotation is going to be the reason that they win however many games they get this year. So um I thought Marvin Bagley was exact sorry, did I cut you off from uh just real quick Terrence yeah, Davis saying, saying Davis is the last last guard of those five, I don't think means he doesn't get minutes and I, I know that's not what you're saying but just to like make it clear i just think that of all those he gets the least i still think you see yeah. davis minutes on a night nightly basis you know 15 minutes a night sort of thing um but i think that on those rosters he'd probably get more as well yeah maybe maybe he gets more just because 
at some point, Luke Walton's just going to have to go full three guard a lot more than maybe he even did last night. Um, but I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting. Um, I thought Marvin Bagley was exactly as we expected. Like his offense was fine. He rebounded with gusto. Um, and then he had an okay defensive moment or two. And then, you know, the rest of it is just same old Bagley. I feel the same way. And I think that's super disappointing. Yeah. Like it needed to be more. If it's the same, like <laughs> Bagley was a negative last year. And I felt like he was a negative out there. Like last night, there was a stretch in the third quarter where it's like, okay, it seems like they're just going at Bagley every single time. And they ran the same set two, three times in a row. And I'm like, Bagley's making the exact same mistake every time. Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't get it. There was a couple times, you know, he, he definitely understood his mistakes sometimes. And you see him, you know, tap himself on the ch- chest and say my bad to his teammates. But it's like, I don't know. I, I just didn't see any progress. There was a little righty hook at one point. Um, and we mentioned the righty reverse finish. Like, that's great. That's great. But yeah. that's just like something that needed that doesn't change his game that just makes him less one-dimensional i guess which i don't know does a little bit of changing it but it doesn't somehow take him into like a positive impact player you know like we saw him try to and and fail to get consistent position on landry shamit one possession and it's like okay yes you did get down low but it was like a battle to get there and instead of going pushing the guy you're like swimming around him and making the entry pass really difficult um at one point he tried to post up bridges and i just knew right away i'm like this is not gonna go well (laughs) if you can't catch the ball until he was at the three-point line if marvin bagley can't post up mikhail bridges like that's all you need to know mikhail bridges isn't a big dude marvin bagley should have the muscle to be able to get where he wants on either andrew shamit or mikhail bridges so And I think he, yeah, I think he does. He just, for some reason, would rather go around guys than through them sometimes, which I, well, I understand is just like a way that some people are and how they prefer things in a way. But I don't know when you have that sort of advantage in height, weight, length. Sometimes you just gotta power through guys, and you don't see Bagley ever do that. It, it's just been that's been the way it's been from for him since college. Um, and one reason that I really wanted to that I was a believer in Bagley's. Uh, potential as a small ball five was because I was really betting on him figuring out that he needs to be a physical guy in order to take the most advantage of his uh, physical tools. But, you know, um, I was glad to see him really working on his outside shot. Uh, a lot was made of his uh, off-season work and and how he's been playing with the guards in training camp, really working on his outside shot. That's something that he needs to improve on in his game, especially on this roster. But, you know, those improvements on offense aren't going to change the trajectory of his career. They're just not. He's not going to be the starter that he truly thinks he belong, but deserves to be until he manages to be at least an average defender. And uh, last night he wasn't. Yeah. At least even just like a little below average, like, uh, I don't know. I feel bad just going at the guy, but like, I thought he was literally horrible on defense. Like I will say this is a credit to Luke Walton in terms of his lineup. Like 
they're as you talked about, there's only one bad defender in that starting lineup last night. So, yeah, um, and I think this can transition us into like what we are watching for in the rest of the preseason. And Bagley's a big one for me. And yep. going into that game yesterday, this was the same thing. It's like I just need to see where the growth is, and if there's nothing, like I don't know, if there genuinely is nothing. I, I feel like you can sit there and make an argument for like Bagley shouldn't be getting minutes. Like, I, I don't think at this point the team can sit here and be like, all right, we need to develop this guy. Like, I, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. And I, I know I'm saying this early, but it's just about like what I'm looking for in the rest of preseason. Like Bagley needs to show more. Yeah. I, I agree that Bagley needs to show more on, on the flip side. If the Kings are going to get any offensive production out of their big men, like, I'm not sure that Bagley will ever completely lose minutes. I mean, Shimezi Metu is pretty much the only big who looks for his offense. Rashawn Holmes is 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 a capable offensive player, no doubt. Like he's fantastic in the pick and roll. Um, his his putback dunk last night was a thing of beauty, but he's not going to go out there and score 16 points a game. I don't think that's going to happen. So. Kings need a big man scorer, which Tom Marvin Bagley isn't a king, I think might be the best argument for having him out there. But I don't know. Do they need a big man scorer, though? Like, I think the idea, like, <laughs> if if I'm running with this, you know, I, like, if Bagley seems like he's hurting the team and you need to really limit his minutes, it's like, all right, well, Barnes is then starting at the four, and then Harkless is your backup four. And it's like, we kind of talked about, like, the versatility of all the guards, like, you can kind of just put most of the scoring responsibility on those guys now. I think they'd have to. Um, I don't know. I, I just going that seems to me to be going too much all in on the guard lineup to to figure it out on offense. Yeah. Um, that's not to. I'm I, I'm not trying to couch any criticism of Marvin Bagley. He absolutely needs to improve as a defender to justify his playing time, but. Uh, it's not a decision that I envy Luke Walton having to make. Yeah, and again, I, I feel bad bashing the guy after one preseason game, but it's like just need need to show some growth and something I'm going to be keeping an eye on through the rest of this preseason. And I think that needs to get shown early on in this year or his playing time, at least in my mind, would be in jeopardy. I don't know if that actually would end up being the case. What are other things that you're watching for through the rest of these three-season three remaining preseason games. Yeah. Uh, you know, Luke Walton played 16 dudes last night. Um, he's not going to play 16 dudes the rest of preseason. So I'm going to be interested to see what the uh, more normal lineups end up being. Um, at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I'm not yelling for Lewis King minutes before the final eight minutes of the game. <laughs> I mean, it's preseason. Um but I know I just once again this team really has to use these final three games as a launching pad for quite a few of these lineups. Uh, but I mean, unless Matt Coleman really deserves playing time, um, it, it just it's going to be interesting to see how he trims because there are going to be dudes who deserve some minutes who just aren't going to get them. Yeah, like I guess maybe saying he deserves them is suspicious, but Robert Woodard didn't play at all. <laughs> I thought that's where you were going with this. No, but no. Uh, that, I have, crazy I have, to me though. 
I have taken all of my former Robert Woodard belief and put it squarely on the shoulders of Lewis King. I'm all in. That's no. Yeah. And I think that's totally fine. Like I'm hopeful for King and I am definitely still admittedly a Woodard guy. I'm having trouble letting go of what I thought was really promising contributions in the G league bubble, which is getting further and further away. So yeah, but it's just weird to me. Like I thought it was interesting that the Kings are playing. Like we mentioned all the guys that were out for Phoenix and then to start the second half, Aiton and Bridges weren't in the starting lineup anymore. And those guys didn't see the floor. The rest of the half, I think Cameron Johnson only saw a little bit of that second half. He, he ended up playing 17 minutes, and it's like the Kings still have their primary rotation out through until like eight minutes left in the fourth. Yeah. And I don't know. That was just that was interesting to me, and I know that they have a very deep team, which I think is something that we probably just like glossed over in this because I think that's really important and something that you could tell last night. It's like, all right there's probably 11 guys on this roster that I feel like are NBA players or at mm-hmm. least can be on certain nights. And a I couple, think I think, I think in addition to 11, those 11 dudes, like the Kings have some uh, younger dudes who still need some playing time to develop. Like Jamais Ramsey, Lewis King, Shemezi Matu. it, it, it <laughs> It's going to be really interesting this year. Unlike last year, they're really going to have to send guys down to Stockton when last year, any one of those guys, if they were who they are now, like Jemias Ramsey wasn't getting any minutes last re- last year for a reason. But if Jemias Ramsey was in his second year last year, I think he would have gotten more minutes. I think Lewis King would have gotten more minutes. So they, the Kings actually have some real depth decisions to make here. Yeah, which is a solid problem to have. I think, like you said, the Stockton team is going to feel pretty fun, actually. I think there's going to be a lot of names that I'm going to have a really good time watching this season. Um, I, I would have loved to see a little bit of Keita last night, but yeah, it is what it is. I, I get, totally understand you have four games of this to kind of get a feel against actual other NBA teams instead of just throwing them against their own teammates in practice of like, okay, what rotations seem to be making sense what lineups do we and don't we like and yeah so i i get feeling the need to test that rather than just saying okay our it, who's going to be our 12th guy yeah i'm going to be really curious to see if luke walton tightens the rotation as training camp goes on um is he just playing his core dudes and just trying out the lineups um or it, does he go deeper uh, does he start bringing in uh, Lewis King earlier or Emmanuel Terry or Robert Woodard or Kata? Um, it's going to be interesting. It's an actual coach's dilemma here. Yeah. Um, I'm interested to see if the starting lineup changes going to next game. I feel like it will because Luke said they were going to try a couple different starting lineups. So I'd be a little surprised if they didn't. Um, I'm kind of ready for the inevitable. Everybody being disappointed when Halliburton gets moved back to the bench for some reason. Ugh, don't but, put that into the universe. I know. I know. My change would be, I mean, surprise, surprise, moving Bagley to the bench. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I do understand. Like, you don't want to play Buddy and Bagley together. Like, yeah. you really do not. Happened well, for a little while yesterday, and it was a little rough. Just swap Bagley out of line and put Buddy Heald in. There's your best, in my opinion, your best two yeah. starting lineup options. Um, I mean, inevitably, 
one of these games is going to have Tristan Thompson as the starting power forward. So that's what I'm expecting. He didn't play um, any four yesterday. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think it happened, but I think it happened. Well, if it doesn't happen, I, I will be very surprised. Um, yeah. If Tyrese Halliburton never goes to the bench, I will uh, riot. I will riot. You'll be leading a riot because plenty of people will be following you. You do plenty not put your second. You do not bring your second best player off the bench. You just don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Um, I'm just curious watching the rest of this preseason to see what's different. And the difference right now feels like depth and the center rotation is what specifically stands out to me. But I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I've been the downer, I guess, because everybody was really excited after last game. And I'm like, I don't know. This feels fairly similar. So and last year wasn't enough. I don't know. I I I, I was listening to um, Sam Vecini's uh, Game Theory podcast, which if anybody listening to this hasn't checked out Sam Vecini's uh, Game Theory podcast, absolutely go check it out. Um, and he had Robbie Calland of Uprocks on his show to go through the over-understanding bits. Um, and Robbie had an excellent way of framing the Kings. He called them the Rockshaw test of a basketball team. Um, and you can specifically, he said, you can see as much pessimism or optimism as you want to see just by looking at the roster. And I really think that's the case this year. I can look at the roster one morning and be like, yeah, there's real promise. This guard lineup is really talented. Harrison Barnes is probably as stable a dude as you could want for a three, four outside of a superstar. Um, the big man rotation is anchored by Rashawn Holmes, who is a top half center in the league and some decent dudes off the bench. And at the same time, next morning I could wake up and be like, this team has no wings. This team has no forwards. Luke Walton's still the coach. Like, I, I, I really cannot look at anybody and be like, your optimism is unwarranted this year. I can't look at anybody and say, your pessimism is unwarranted. This team is a real, true mystery. Unlike the last couple of years where I was just, sure that this team wasn't really going to go anywhere. I, I have not predicted playoffs in any of the last couple of years. I don't think it's impossible this year that they sneak into the play-in tournament and earn an eighth seed. I don't think it's impossible. I think this team has got more depth than they have in a long time. Um, I think the guard rotation is incredibly talented, and the Kings can go as far as their star combo of Fox and Halliburton takes them. So I... I, I I don't blame anybody who look at this roster and says, you know, in the West, it's just not going to happen. I mean, honestly, gun to my head, I'm going to bet them to be 10th seed and lose in the play-in tournament. But I'm also not going to blame anybody who says, I really truly think that this team could be a seventh seed. So, Yeah, and I totally see the potential upside of this team of, you know, like an eighth seed or something like that, right? If If everything goes well. I just am like, all right, I need it to be proven to me that this is different. And yeah, that's just what I'm waiting for pretty much because I do see the difference in depth. I understand yeah. that totally. That's that's the main standout difference, right? And it's going to be about the growth of Fox and Halliburton, really. So we'll see. I just, um, yeah, I saw, I, I 
I don't know. I was very happy to be back in Golden One Center. I had a great time at the game. It's it's really good to be back in that environment. I'm super excited to be watching basketball every day again for the next who knows how many days. So I, I'm extremely excited for all that. I just am just waiting to see what the real difference is. And I'm not going to sit here and be like, all right, they were up 20 on a team that didn't have anybody to start their offense. So yeah, no, it's preseason. It, you, you go into preseason with no expectations that what you're looking at will absolutely translate to wins. Um, so as long as, as long as you go into a preseason game, knowing that you're watching a preseason game, uh, all the excited takes and uh, concerns are completely valid, I think. Yeah, and I think that that might have gotten away from me a little bit at times. I have to remind myself, all right, this is supposed to be a little sloppy. Yeah. So I thought the execution looked great last night for a preseason game. Yeah, I thought the offense was good. I'm a little scared of defense, but <laughs> I think that's how we expect it going into the year. So. Yeah. You you can't turn this team from worst in the league on defense to, uh, you know, closer to just the bottom third in in one training camp. Just can't possibly happen. So yeah. this team won't show us who they are until December. Yeah, hopefully we see sooner or I might go crazy. But yeah, I, I totally <laughs> see that. And now we got our little overtime segment here non-basketball related question thrown at the end of every pod here and let me tell you i'm gonna end up spending a long time scrubbing when we're like 50 episodes in of trying to come up with these overtime questions gonna need like the listeners to help out here and (laughs) yeah i don't know so today's is if you could talk to any animal what would it be and i meant to i sent you this question earlier so you could think about it for a sec and i meant to send you an asterisk on this but I forgot to, so hopefully I'm not throwing you off here. But you can't say a cat, right? Oh my gosh, that's my answer. I know it cats. is because you have pet cats. Like, well, you can't do that. I can't say it. Like, of course, I'm going to talk to my dog. Like, I feel like this is a cheaty answer. It was no, like not, the best? not just not just my cats. I want to talk to cats. I no, that's talk, way too big. I want way I want to go talk to a Siberian tiger. <laughs> I want to go to the savannah and talk to a lion. And then I do want to talk to my my cats. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, especially especially right now when um, anybody who is on follows me on Twitter knows uh, I have a sweet little innocent kitten named Finn. Um, poor little dude had an eye infection, which caused him to scratch the absolute bejesus out of his face, and now he's in a cone, and he's still scratching at the cone. And he and he's licking the cone, trying to give himself a bath. And I would love to have an actual conversation with him that says, "If you don't scratch your face, we don't have to wear this fucking cone that complicates both of our lives." I am gonna make you pick something else. You're gonna have to make. Uh, me, I, I'll go first, but well, so you have a second to think about it. But you can't pick your house cats. You can pick <laughs> a different cat if you want, but I'm gonna need you to clarify cheating. which cat. Okay. And I would have picked dog. I, I meant to send you this asterisk and I just forgot to. Okay. But so what I settled on, I mean, I, I got probably a little too deep into this. I'm like, you know, this doesn't guarantee that this animal is going to be nice to me. Like in my mind, like there's probably some animals that if you tried to talk to them, they would just be assholes. You know, like yeah. 
I don't know, like a cat kind of comes to mind sometimes. Like it's just on their own time. It's kind of a cat's thing, I feel like, you know. But I don't know, like I at first was like, okay, well, what's one of the oldest animals? Like they've just seen a lot. But most of those are water animals, I feel like. And I'm like, I don't really give a shit what they saw in the ocean. So I ended up with like a thinking a bird and I went with an eagle because they just see so much at once. Like I feel like they have so much knowledge of like the surroundings and can just fly up real quick, take in a bunch of information, come down and report to me. Who knows if they would actually even come near me to talk to me, but I settled with an eagle. Uh, If I can't pick a cat, I think uh, some bird of prey makes a lot of sense just because I mean, I would like to have a conversation with an animal that flies through the sky and just and and, and just get it from there, uh, there how they see the world. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, outside outside of your your cats, you said mm-hmm. the cat of choice though would be a, Sib- a Siberian. Oh something? yeah, Siberian tiger, um, the most beautiful animal on the planet, in my opinion. And it just comes up to you and is like, yo, what the fuck are you doing here? Get out of here. Yeah. I'll fuck you up. Like, I'm going to eat you. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's the whole conversation. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. Solid. I'm really proud of neither one of us for picking a fox because it was like a really easy pun. To oh, jeez. I was really tempted. I clearly <laughs> thought about it. I clearly thought no, about it. No. Did not come to my mind for a minute. <laughs> I was like, you know, a rat might be okay because they can really see anything. And did you see this? I know you're not a superhero movie guy. Um, anybody who's seen the second Suicide Squad movie is going to know rats are just super OP. Mm. No, I haven't seen it, actually. I did like the first yeah. Suicide Squad. I think I fell asleep, to be fair. But I liked it. Second second was a lot more fun. So, Oh, have you seen, um, what is this Netflix, what is this Squid's Game that everybody's talking about? No, and I'm afraid to. Um, Why? Well, just because, I mean, I'm not going to pretend that uh, the genre of let's put teens and kids into death games, I, I, I've i seen plenty. Um, I read the there's a manga called uh, Battle Royale that pretty much started all of these things. Like Hunger Games did not come up with the idea. It originated from uh, an old Japanese manga and book series called Battle Royale. So I definitely have seen those kind of things before. I have not yet watched Squid Games. And, you know, it, it, it's just a whole category of depression for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. I turned it on last night after the game when I got back. And, yeah, I just fell asleep during it. This is like a thing I, like, have not for years, as long as I remember. Like, I, I can't just, like, sit there and fall asleep. So a lot of times I'll end up either like throwing on a podcast or watching something and falling asleep during it. And because I got so used to that, it's so easy for me to fall asleep when I'm trying to watch something. Ha! <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah. So. Well, okay. Since I'm going to give you shit for one more thing on your podcast with Adam. Somehow you said nobody listening is a fan of space as if like, you're not currently talking to a massive sci-fi space nerd. You know, it's funny. I could hear you. It was solely because I know you told me there's books behind you. 
I could hear you turn right there while you were talking. Yeah, <laughs> 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 no, no, it's absolutely the case. Um, just a quick correction. Um, because the, the exact point where you said nobody's nobody who listened to this as a space nerd was when Adam was sitting there like, I think Venus is the closest planet to Earth. And I'm like, yes, that is technically correct. And then you had the audacity to be like, nobody listening. Um, yes, Venus is technically, if you just consider orbits giant circles, Venus is closest. But technically, the planet that spends the most time closest to Earth is Mercury. Because Mercury orbits the sun in, I think, like 90 days. So it spends more of its time close to Earth than Venus does, which spends so much more time on the opposite side of the sun. It's a weird, it's a weird fact, but true. So to make so, this a king's metaphor, if Fox is Earth, uh -huh. then Venus is the one you said st is yeah. not it's close sometimes, but not more often than Mercury, right? Yes. So then Venus would be Halliburton. Yep. Where he, he is close, but technically healed is closer more often. Yes, that would be. This true. is a stretch, but I'm trying. <laughs> it healed works. Is Mercury? Yeah, and Dearin's well, Venus. I'll just and wrap up. Uranus. That's all I got. <laughs> <laughs> that's all i got i was about to make the exact same joke <laughs> oh god so all the work at the king's arrow <laughs> i have no clue how i'm supposed to transition this <laughs> there's no chances <laughs> definitely keep up with all the great work going on at the king's herald um, with the season kicking off the content there is just going to keep on getting pumped out and a great group of guys and girls there obviously take a look at the patreon to support local independent kings coverage and if you enjoyed this episode of the king's pulse podcast please subscribe rate and review and you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days